can I just teach you a few things tonight and talk with you from my heart for a moment as uh, we look at six vital life lessons because my desire is to help every human being, every believer uh, carry the presence of the Lord, the fullness of the Holy Spirit and grow up into maturity. How many people do we have here tonight that want to grow to full maturity in Christ? Amen. You see, as I've noticed over the years, we have way too many of what I call the come, sit, listen, and go people. You get in such a routine and you have this idea that church is all about me coming to a service and everybody waiting on me hand and foot and me coming to receive a touch of God. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I thought that you and I carried the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. But yet we want to reach out and get a touch from God, but yet his presence is inside of us. And you see, we become aware of his presence as we learn to walk with him and walk in the spirit. And part of walking in the spirit is allowing the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the third person in the Godhead, God the Holy Spirit, who is as much God as God the Father is God, who is as much God as God the Son is God, and that third person of the Godhead lives and dwells on the inside of us. It just never does anything except just boggles my mind. How could God do such a thing? How could he fill us with his spirit? How could he empower us with his spirit? How could he baptize us with his Holy Spirit? But yet we live, many of us live as if we're not even aware of what's going on. But do you realize that you can come up to a higher level and you can come up to a place in God where you can sense him, where you can feel him every moment of every day, 24-7, whether things are going good, whether things are going bad, whether you're going through a trial, whether you're on top of a mountain, whether you're in a valley, you can feel and you can sense his presence all the time just by making a decision to turn on the water faucet and let those rivers flow because Jesus said in the gospel of John chapter 7 out of your belly will flow come on now, will flow will flow rivers of living water and in the Greek language literally it says specifically and without any air and purposely by Christ when he made the decision to say this that it's rivers of life-giving, life-producing, empowering water that just blows your mind. And how can we carry all that but yet still our will, our free will is kept intact so that if we decide that we just want to go through the motions, we can just go through the motions. But why would anyone want to just go through the motions when you can have all of his fullness, all of his power, all of his might, all of his dominion, but at the same time, you can walk in humility, and it just is something I've never gotten over. I've never gotten over every day of my life. Every day when I get up, one of the first things I do is I thank God. I thank God that he has filled us with his spirit, that he has, he, he's empowered us with his spirit, that he's allowed us to be partakers of all of who he is, but yet we have our free will intact. 
Are you listening to me? Can I, can I shepherd you just a little bit tonight? I'm not your shepherd. Pastor Randy Rice is your shepherd. He's your local pastor. He's the pastor of the house here, and he's asked me to share tonight. I consider that such an honor, such an honor, because as far as I'm concerned, and if you're live streaming out there, this is one of the greatest churches in the area. And uh, if you haven't come out to visit yet or experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that's alive and thriving in every service, then I would encourage you, come on out. The children's ministry here is wonderful. The youth ministry is wonderful. And your whole life will change if you get into a local church like this uh, because God is just so magnificent and he's so good. And uh, we can be so thankful that we have such a wonderful pastor in Pastor Randy Rice. I, I trust that you pray for him every day. You know, I, I trust that when you listen to him share the wonderful messages that God gives him, that you don't just kind of scroll through your smartphone at the same time because, you know, that's not too smart. We have smartphones, but it's not too smart to just sit and look at your phone and just vegetate when a man of God stands in the pulpit or a woman of God stands in the pulpit and begins to impart, begins to bring forth the word of God, the word of our living God. Amen. And so what I want to do is I want to give you some foundations for helping you, helping all of us. These are key foundations. Without these foundations, you and I cannot carry the fullness of God's presence. We can't walk in the anointing that God has for our life. Did you know that God has an anointing for everyone's life? You know, whether you're a school teacher, whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, whether you're a grandparent, you know, whether you're a child, it's true. At every stage of life, God has an anointing for all of us. If we're a business person, if we're an accountant, if we're a realtor, if we're a doctor, if we're a politician, it doesn't matter. God has an anointing and a grace for all of us. And we all don't have the same assignments. We all don't have the same gifts. And neither do we all have the same mission field. You know, a full-time missionary might be over in Africa. That's where their assignment is. Or Bulgaria, you know, or, or somewhere in the former Soviet Union. But your mission field may be the place that you go to work every day. And did you know that God specifically gives grace on our life and assigns us to be in the place where we go to work? Not for the money, not for the paycheck, not for the benefits, although those are good. But he particularly assigns us where we are for the people that are there. Because you may be the only voice they ever hear. And you've got to find a way to connect with them. Because until you connect with someone, they're not going to listen to your testimony. They're not going to be drawn to you. They won't want to hear anything that you have to say. So every day, you know what I do? I always pray every day. One of the things that I ask God to do, God, give me your heart. I want your heart for every person that I meet. I want your heart. 
I know that you lead and you guide and you direct our steps. And so, Lord, I'm trusting that you direct my steps today and the steps of other people. And I thank you that every person who comes across my path, they're coming across my path by divine appointment, by divine assignment. Amen. And then I listen to the Holy Spirit within my spirit. But you see, we've got to train our spirit to hear the Holy Spirit. Because you are a spirit, you have a soul, your mind, your will, and emotions, and you live in a physical body. And you see, to pray in the spirit or pray in the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue, it's his spirit that prayeth. The Spirit. See, that's the cool thing about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It bypasses your mind. It bypasses your body, which is one of our biggest hindrances. We all have to learn how to overcome the flesh and uh, to walk in victory over our flesh. Because believe it or not, the flesh that you and I have is our most affordable, formidable enemy. It's true. A lot of people think it's the devil. Well, of course, the devil's an enemy. But your body, your flesh, you carry this with you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. When you go to bed at night, when you wake up in the morning, when you're having lunch, when you're having dinner, when you're conversing with other people. That's why the scripture says, if we learn how to walk in the spirit, we will overcome the works of the flesh. Come on, someone help me just a little bit. We got too many grown-up adults that are thumb-sucking Christians that never got weaned off the bottle. It is so true. Now, just don't look at anyone, and then they won't think it's them, amen? But it's time that we grow up in the body of Christ instead of thinking, I'm going to go up. Well, we'll go up when it's time to go up in the rapture, amen? But we've got work to do. You see... Jesus works through a body. And to have a revelation of who he is, we've got to understand he has a body. And guess what? That body is you and I. And you see, we're not called to just come to church services, to come, sit, listen, and go. That's not the plan of God for anyone's life. And so these six vital life lessons are so critical. Let's go to life lesson number one. You must be born again. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. See, this is a brand new creation. In the Greek, it says a creation that never existed before. That's how magnanimous the new birth is. That's how magnanimous the power of God is. That's how magnanimous this thing is. It's not to make a decision for Christ. Nobody can make a decision for Christ. You've got to surrender to him as your Lord and Savior. And that means you give up your desire for what you want to do and you totally lean upon him and you follow him. See, it means that you relinquish the right to be the owner of your own life forever and you turn it over to him. But you see, so many are taking that wide path. 
that wide path. Oh, I just want to go to a church where they have nice music. I want to go where it's so entertaining. I want to go where they have the best children's ministry. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I I thought dads and moms were supposed to be the real children's pastors over their kids. And that the children's ministers in a local church are just kind of like the support system that support what the parents need to be doing. But you see, we got far too many parents today. What they do is they take this iPhone or an iPad or something like that, and this becomes the parent of our kids. How flat out retarded can you get? You know, we got to watch it with technology. Too many parents are baptizing their kids into the world today. Oh yeah, just put them in the public school system. Let them go there and let the teachers and the administrators and the school board and everyone in charge immediately indoctrinate your kids. And you know, you wonder, why are my kids coming home thinking this stuff? Why, why are they wondering what gender they are? Well, it's because, you know... You have your kids just for a certain amount of time, but then you turn them over to the world, and then they've got your kids for five, six, seven, eight hours a day, and then we wonder, I can't figure out why my kids are acting this way. You see, it's never a what. Well, I wonder what's happening with them. It's always a who. Paul said to those in the Galatian church, who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? Are we really that dumb that we think that we can put our kids in the public school system, that we can baptize them to bail, and that they're going to turn out okay? See, Cherie and I had to make a decision. It was a long time ago when our kids were little. We didn't have any money, but we knew we could not, even at that time, baptize our kids into the worldly system. So we made a decision for a while. We all packed up. We traveled on the road in a suburban. We homeschooled them. Man, we didn't know what we were doing, but we had to trust God and try to figure out what we're doing because the parents are the ones that are responsible over the kids. We got to watch who we turn our kids over to. Man, I remember when Cherie and I, you know, we were pastoring Victory Christian Center in Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, a lot of witches and warlocks in that area, and we'll never forget this, this one person come up, and uh, they wanted to hold our brand new baby, Tamara. And uh, I, I says, no, you're not holding her. You're not touching her. Well, why? She's just the baby. Well, you're not doing it. You're not the parent. You don't like it. There's a door right there. Don't let the good Lord, the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. Well, that's mean. You can't do something like that. Listen, I'm telling you something. When it comes to my kids, don't mess with them. Amen. When it comes to my grandchildren, don't mess with them. It's like I told one person one time, you mess with my wife, you mess with my kids, you mess with my grandchildren, you would wish the devil was coming after you instead of a righteous man of God. Amen? Amen. But you see, we don't understand that today. We, we got so mealy-mouly, you know, little preachers in the pulpits across America today. Man, they don't even know what gender they are because they've walked away from God. Come on now, am I helping anyone tonight? I came here to teach some things tonight and uh, to say things straight, not because we need to be corrected or rebuked, but you know what? This is just me. This is who I am. 
And thank God I'm getting my strength back. Thank God the body of Christ has been praying for me for the last 10 months. Thank God I'm coming out of one of the most horrendous attacks of the enemy that I ever faced in my life. But I'm telling you what, two weeks ago, at one time, in a matter of a two-day time, I led seven people to Jesus Christ. Praise God. John Campbell, that's for you, that Pastor Kim Kick, if you're watching. And uh, that's one of the most wonderful things that we can do. That's how we can make the devil pay for what he's done to us with attacks in our body or our family or our marriage or our finances or whatever it is. The way we make him pay is we trust God to lead people across our paths and then we connect with them and then we lead them to Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do you do that, Reverend Wetland? I just take the direct route. Just ask my wife. I've been taking the direct route today because the time is short and I'll just ask people straight out, hey, have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Man, you get all kinds of answers. Well, I went to church one time when I was a little kid. I says, no, 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 I'm talking about real relationship. Where it's just so exciting to walk with God. And that you can surrender your life to Him and you can hear the living God talk to you inside of your spirit. Amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Prayed with six uh, Football players on the Springboro football team is true. And uh, man, led them to Jesus. We prayed. And, uh, but, but then they says, oh, you got to pray for us because we, we got a game we're playing against Oak Hills. And uh, so I says, all right, well, you know, they all, we all got in a circle and, and we all prayed and I, I says, now, wait a minute here. I'm not one of them religious pastors. So I says, I'm a former world-class athlete. And so I'm going to pray an athlete prayer. Is that okay with you guys? Oh, yeah, come on, pray it, pray it, pray it. So I says, Lord, and this is true. I, I prayed it just like this. This may freak you out, but this is the way I prayed it. Amen. I says, Heavenly Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus, you empower the Springboro football team in this playoff game when they play Oak Hills. God, I, I pray that they're all protected, but Lord, let them kick their butts in Jesus' name. You say, you didn't pray that. Yes, I did. And what was the score, Cherie? 40 to what? 42 to what? 42 to 6. Oh, 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 oh. Come on now. But you see, that's how you connect with people. You just be normal. You don't get all religious and religiosity, you know. You be a normal human being. You talk to people about real life and real life issues. And then you don't just stand there and say something like, well, you know, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Not me. I'd stick my hand out. Come on, let's pray right now. Amen. Let's pray right now. How come? Because you and I have the privilege of carrying the presence of the living God inside of us and everything we set our hands to prospers. I'm always saying that anytime I shake someone's hand, I say, thank you, God. When I shake someone's hand, I'm setting my hand to them and everything I set my hands to prospers in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen? 
So 2 Corinthians 5.17, I didn't forget where we were. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now, the word for in is the Greek word en, and it literally means to give oneself wholly to. That's what it means to be in Christ. I'm in him, but I'm not just sitting there wasting my time. I'm hungering for him. I'm thirsting for him. I'm giving myself wholly to him. One of the things I do first thing every morning, in addition to asking God to lead my steps across the lives of other people, I surrender my life all over again to him. All over again. You'd say, why would you do that? Because I love him so much. I want him so much. I want him so freaking much. I've just got to surrender to him all over again. Amen. That's what I'm doing when I come up to the altar on Wednesday nights when I'm coming up here. And you say, why do you do that? Why do you do it? Because there's something about getting out of your seat and coming forward and making an altar with God instead of sitting in the presidential seat. Well, I'm just going to sit here. It's almost like some people, you know, we got several songs of worship going on at one time. Those that are having true, true worship come on out of their heart. And those that are just sitting in their seats and they're singing the same old song, I shall, I shall not be moved. <laughs> Dear Jesus. Man, God can't even move some people. Yes, sir. How are we going to have revival if we don't have a personal revival in our own life. Man, some of you just need to get hit by the Holy Ghost so hard that you just fall out under the power and you get weirded out and you laugh for an hour. It's true. And just get that religion out of you. I mean, even in a church like this or any church like this, man, you can let religion get a hold of you. You got to learn how to just shake it off. Be real, be hilarious, be full of laughter, be full of joy, be different, be original. Amen? Say something nobody's expecting you to say. Romans 10, 8, and 9. But what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith with we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Or do you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. That is so powerful right there. That declares ownership. Have you allowed God to completely own your life? See, if you haven't, then all you did was pray a prayer. And you're not genuinely born again. But we don't tell people that in the church today. Oh, if you've prayed the prayer, everything is, is okay. Listen, if you know something's wrong on the inside, then something is wrong that you didn't do it in sincerity, it wasn't done from the heart, and a genuine born-again experience did not occur. Because when you get a genuine born-again experience, I'm telling you, you so hunger to have the heart of God that it's like you can't even pray for God to give you things that you need. 
That's one of the things I noticed in my life when I genuinely got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. I I could not pray for the things that I needed because I saw in the scriptures that if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and I hunger for him and I thirst for him, that he'll just add all things to me. I'm telling you, most of the things that God gives to me and showers me with and my wife and my family, I I don't even ask God to do it. I just say, God, give me your heart. Give me a greater love for other people. Help me love people so I can connect with them. And I know what it is everywhere I go. It doesn't matter if it's a little five-year-old. doesn't matter if it's... A uh, 90-year-old, doesn't matter if they're in between, doesn't mean if they're white, black, yellow, uh, Hispanic, Asian, it doesn't matter who it is. I connect literally with everybody. Amen. And I do my best to get them to have a genuine, life-changing experience with Jesus Christ. Amen. See, because that's what God intends church to be. It's a corporate relationship with him. It's not going through a structured service, some kind of event, you know, we're here for an event and let's see what's going to happen and what songs are we going to sing today and uh, let's just let it come out of our heart the way it flowed out of Curtis tonight. Man, spontaneity, relationship, us loving on God, God loving on us. Life lesson number two. the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. Notice this, Matthew 8, 16, 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice that Jesus is building his church. It's the Greek word ekklesia, and it's talking about the assembly, the body. See, he builds us together. We're going to see this in upcoming scriptures. In America, we're so self-centered. We're so centered on ourselves. I want to come. I want to get a word, a word from God. I want to get a word for me, you know, a prophetic word. I need this. I need that. You know, I will never forget when Sheree and I pastored in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, I was number three in the Nielsen ratings for our radio broadcast. Joyce Meyer was number one. Kenneth Hagen Sr. was number two. I was number three. And Charles Capps was number four. And the station manager couldn't believe it. He says, I don't understand this. I, I don't get this. How is it that you can be number three in the Nielsen ratings? We've never had this happen before. All I can say is by the grace of God. And uh, so one Sunday, we got these two ladies, and they came, they drove a long way, they drove 70 miles, and uh, they came forward at the altar, and they said real loud so that everybody in the church family would hear them, they says, Pastor Wetland, we listen to you on the radio every day. And uh, the, the Lord told us to come here that you would have a word for us. Do you have a word for us? Well, at the moment I didn't, but I searched my heart and God did give me a word for him. And uh, I looked at him and I says, yes, God has given me a word for you. Man, they perked up, they were waiting. And uh, then I looked at both of them and I said, the word of the Lord for you is this, 
Quit running from church to church trying to get a word from God and go back home where you belong and get planted in your own church. Embrace the vision that's in the heart of your pastor and serve like a team player instead of being a bicket and an old biddy and run around causing strife in the body of Christ. Man, everybody, of course, everybody in our church family knew me. They're just tee-hee-hee-hee-hee, and they're laughing like that. And, uh, but yeah, that was the word of the Lord. Because you see, Jesus does not build us independently without being linked to a body. See, there's too many Christians trying to have authority over the devil but they won't let God plant them in the church as a team player where God has intended them to be and where God has intended them to serve. Can I give you another story? It's preaching a message similar to this in uh, Virginia many years ago. And uh, I was talking about having the, 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 the vision of the church inside of you, the, the being planted in your church and serving as a team player. And come forward if you want to, want to recommit to this in your life again. Well, a lot of people came forward and one doctor came along with him. He had the church bulletin in his hand. On the church bulletin was written the vision of that church. So he came forward and he says, oh, he says, Reverend Wetland, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. I says, what do you want me to pray for you about? He says, well, I, I've just got this thing inside of me. I, I, I know I'm supposed to invent something, but I don't know what it is. And, and he says, I'm just so frustrated over this. I know I'm supposed to invent something. And I says, uh, well, can you tell me what the vision of this church is? He says, well, I've heard my pastor say it many times, but I don't know what it is. And he goes to look at it on the church bulletin. I snatched it out of his hand and I says, that's not fair. You're not going to read it. If you don't know what it is, I'm not going to let you read it. He says, well, I need you to pray for me. And I says, okay, I'll pray for you. And uh, you can ask my wife. She was right there. This is exactly what I prayed. I says, heavenly father, I pray for this doctor that he would repent of his slothfulness, that he would let you plant him in this local church, he would embrace the vision of the pastor that's in the pastor's heart, and he would begin to serve in some capacity somewhere as a team player in Jesus' name. He, he looked up at me and he says, you don't understand, I'm a doctor and I work 60 hours a week. There's not anything that I can do. I says, I don't care if you're a U.S. senator. Everybody in the body of Christ serves. Oh, he was mad. He went to the pastor. He went to the associate pastor. He went to the church board. How dare you let some preacher come in like this and tell me what to do? Blah, 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 blah. Well, a year later, I went back to that church. And uh, guess who met me at the door and was the head usher now? The doctor. And I says... Doc, how are you doing? He says, oh, do I have a story to tell you? And then he kind of related it again. When you left, I was mad. I went to the pastor, complained about it. I played the associate pastor. I went to the church board. And he says, then I realized something just wasn't right. 
And so he says, then I decided, well, what can I do? I can serve as an usher at least once a week or something. And he says, so then they told me I had to go to usher's training school. And uh, I go there. And this little old lady was in there. And he says, man, she was meaner than an army sergeant. She started telling me, this is how you have to dress. This is what you have to wear. And by the way, doctor, your breath is bad. You take one of these, you put it in your mouth. It's called a breath mint. So that you don't spread your bread, bad breath all over everybody. And she says, then she took me to the security system and told me how to arm and disarm it. And I tried to tell her, I mean, I'm familiar with security systems. And she says, you know what she told me? She says, doctor, you mind your own business. Are you being unsubmissive to me? And so he says, I had to go through all this training and everything. And so he says, I kid you not. When I started serving, I, I would wake up at night and I kept wondering, why am I waking up at night? And I, so I said to the Lord one time, Lord, why am I waking up? He says, because I got something that I want to tell you. So he says, I started taking a notepad and a pen to bed with me. And he says, lo and behold, God gave me a prototype for a certain type of surgical instrument that would allow a certain type of surgery to be done much easier, would save the patient's money, would be safer for the patients, would save hospitals money, would save the insurance company's money. And he says, I've got to tell you, Right now, it's going to be approved, and once it's approved, he says, the amount of money that I will make my tithe alone will pay for the new addition that's being put on this building right here. Come on, someone give a good amen. Don't tell me it doesn't pay to serve God, amen. Don't tell me it doesn't pay to fight through the fatigue. You mean Jesus hung on the cross for you and you get a little tired on Sunday morning and you want to cry like a baby and you can't fight through that fatigue when he hung on the cross for you and I? Give me a break. Amen. It's all right if I just preach it and teach it good tonight, amen. Oh, Lord Jesus, we got five minutes left. I'm not going to make it through, so we'll have to do this some other time. So, whew, Lord Jesus, which one should I finish with? Let's do this one. We're going to skip down to life lesson number five. Know who has authority to speak into your life. And see, we're talking about life lessons that help us walk with God, grow up into maturity, carry the fullness of his presence, and walk in the power of the Spirit and live an empowering life. Hebrews 13, verse 7 and verse 17. Remember those who have the rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Then verse 17 Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch for your souls as one that must give an account. And uh, you see, the key part of this verse is they watch for your soul as one that must give an account. Somebody can't do that if they don't know you, if you don't know them. See, that's the key part of it right there. 
That's the heart of a real shepherd. That is the heart of the shepherd, the pastor, the lead pastor of this church right here, Pastor Randy Rice. That's how much love he has for every person here. Literally, he prays, I know for a fact personally, he prays and brings every person in this church family to the Lord, watching over people's souls as one that must give an account. All right? Now look at this. If someone is not accountable to God for your life, they have no authority from God to be speaking into your life. I'm just reading scripture to you right here, and then I read that comment. That's all we're doing. Let the word of God talk to you. Let the word of God straighten out your doctrine if it needs to be straightened out. Amen? That's what I do. I go to the Bible, not preconceiving with my ideas and ideologies what I think the scripture says. I let the word wash me, cleanse me, correct me, instruct me. Amen? And so I, I see right there, you know, it says that the leaders that we know watch over our lives as one that must give an account. We live in a day where social media is filled with hundreds of prophets and dreamers who are speaking into the lives of people they do not know, do not want to know, and are unwilling to pay the relational price necessary to genuinely be accountable to God for the precious people they are influencing. See, that's why Jesus said that in the day that we're living in, he says, when, when the disciples asked him, when is going to be the signs? What, what, what's going to be going on? The first thing he said is, let no one deceive you. And then he says, many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. Actually, they're not coming and saying, I'm the Messiah. They're coming in his name. I am highly anointed of God. I've got this new revelation. Every two years in America, a new revelation blows through. Blows through the TV ministry all across this nation. You see what I'm saying? I, I know people. I was talking to a brother the other day, and he said, he says, Pastor, he says, um, are you aware of such and such a person in their ministry? And I says, no, I never heard of him. Well, what about this person? I says, never heard of him. This person, never heard of him. You mean you've never heard of these people? Oh, my Lord. Just listen to them. They're getting words from the Lord. The names of people. Everything like that. It's you know, interesting. And I, and I says, no. And he says, well, you should listen to them. I've been following them. I go, really? Well, I follow Jesus. And I know who my leaders are. See, my leaders, some of them are in heaven. One was Dr. Lester Sumrall. Um, another one who's still alive, she's been a mother in the faith to me, Joyce Meyer. Not, not making these things up. Joyce used to come preach for us every year. Another one, Joel Osteen's father, John Osteen, who's in heaven right now. Okay, another one of my lead, leaders, Cleddy Keith down in Kentucky. Another one, Mark T. Barclay, preacher of righteousness. You ought to check him out sometime. He's a very straight, straight preacher. And then an, another one, the last one, 
Pastor Randy Rice. Someone give a shout to the Lord. I don't just listen to anyone. Sometimes people don't realize that, oh, Reverend, I got a word for you. I'll just be polite. They'll give it to me. I let it go in one ear and out the other. Because they're not the ones that God set over my life that are accountable to my life. If you're not willing to be accountable over someone's life and pay the price, I don't know what to say. See, this is how we grow when we grow up into maturity. Sometimes we have to make hard, hard choices. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Curtis, if you can come back to the piano. I can't see who everybody is or isn't here tonight, you know, because my glasses aren't on. But, you know, if you're here and you say, I don't know that I feel right, right about where I am right now. I don't know if I'm genuinely born again. And if that's you and say that that's you and I, I need you to pray with me for salvation in my life, just wave your hand, raise it. I'm going to put my glasses on so I can kind of see if there's anybody raising your hand. If not, that's okay. All right. If any of you all need prayer about anything tonight, my wife Sheree is going to join me and we're going to pray for anything that needs prayer for anything, family member, for your business, for your growth with the Lord. You want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Whatever the case may be, we're here to pray with you.